let's go ahead and start with one of those admissions that I like to start some of these with. Uh, I've never played the Ace Attorney series, so this is a first for me. Um, I, I'll go ahead and admit that I played the DS version on my 3DS, as it happens, because it seemed like the best version to go to. I wasn't really sure which version to go with. I think I brought this up when it came to The World Ends With You recently. But in this case, this seemed like the best version. It actually had an entire new chapter, so, you know, that, that, that was relevant. Although I actually don't have a lot to say about that chapter. In fact, I don't have a lot to say about this game in general. I made a prediction, like when I had first started playing the game, when I was first doing the first case, and I'm sitting here doing this, and I've got Discord up, and I said, I bet you this is going to be like a 15-minute rumination. I'm going to be very, very curious how long this turns out to be. So, the first thing I want to say is, is going to sound a little bit controversial, I know. I really want to play more of this series. Legit. Like... This, this is good stuff. I'm, I actually really found myself enjoying, uh, gameplay-wise, about half of it, or actually probably closer to two-thirds of it. And I really enjoyed the take on it. Allow me to go ahead and confess something that shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, I don't like legal proceedings. I've made my opinions on that very clear many times. You know, if you ever heard me talk about the difference between legality and reality, uh, that's part of what I'm talking about. And I have to admit... I didn't expect to enjoy this, but it manages to combine a flavor of absolute ridiculousness while at the same time having a train of legitimately creative and in, in, in clever, clever thought process. The crafting and the design of these cases is actually interesting, to, sufficiently so that I actually felt rewarded for actually paying attention and deducing things and making my way through. It is effectively a puzzle game. Now, I mentioned I like two-thirds of the gameplay. Uh, I didn't care for the investigation side of things all that much. It, it basically just felt like a point-and-click adventure game. Okay, click, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and that was basically it, and there wasn't anything really all that engaging about that side of things. But during the actual court cases, I really enjoyed the method of having, like, the strike system, right? I'm told later on there's, like, an HP bar, basically. And so... I'm, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Too often, these types of puzzle games will take things in a very binary nature when it comes to the consequence of failure. Now, I've talked about that before, but to refresh that really quickly, just about any game needs, to some extent or <laughs> to some extent or another, to satisfy the equation of the consequence of failure. There has to be some kind of reason you want to succeed. Some consequence, right? Now, there are a lot of different ways to approach that for a lot of different games, but I've argued for many years that that is the core game equation, that that's where your game design should basically start, figuring out how much you penalize failure, if you penalize failure, and the specifics of how you penalize it. In this game, they decided to give me multiple tries at any given point in order to fail. If I fail all of them, well then, yeah, I, I successfully failed, no, really, and I have to start over again. And that makes sense. It made it so that the there was a gradient of failure rather than an absolute. And it made it so that I felt, well, for lack of a better way to put it, rewarded for actually paying attention and being like, hmm, that. That's what the significant flaw is in the testimony. Right there, you know, it's just stuff like that. It feels like... It feels like it was rewarding me for being creative, 
rather than punishing me for being wrong, if that makes any kind of sense. Now, that's not exactly perfect, and there's a couple of exceptions to that. Noticeably, in several of the cases, it got a little bit ludicrous how we'd basically be doing everything correctly. Me and when I say we, I mean refer to myself and Phoenix, right? We'd basically be doing everything perfectly. And then, oh, no, well, here's this other thing. What? <laughs> oh, also, just to get this out there, uh, obviously this is nothing like the the legal system here in the States, which I'm familiar with, or the legal system in Japan, which this is made as a deliberate parody of. And that's a good thing. As weird as that may sound, I <laughs> I know this is going to sound strange, but for those of you not aware, if you ever watch a court show or whatever, or a, lo a lawyer drama on TV, that's not how that works. Actual legal proceedings are long, boring, dreary slog fests of doom with extremely precise procedures on top of procedures on top of procedures. And in all honesty, three layers is, is underselling it. There's a lot of layers of procedures. And we could argue the whys and the wherefores of all that, but it's boring and stressful and tense and kind of horrible. Seeing this more like, BAM! OBJECTION! <laughs> You do not understand that in this witness you claimed... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's way more interesting and entertaining. Maybe we should make that a real-life thing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. The courtroom feels like a game. Now, I know what you're saying. Laura, you're, you're playing a video game. What are you talking about? And I'm like, listen, Bob, because Bob's sitting right here on my desk somehow... <laughs> Listen, wait, I'm going to just say a random name, and if any of my viewers right now are that name, that's going to be funny. Um, all right, Melissa. I should do a male name. Uh, Michael. <laughs> Listen, Melissa and Michael. No, Melissa's over there. Michael's over there. I'm getting off topic. Um, I love the idea that Melissa and Michael are trying to call me out and saying, of course you're playing a video game, Lore. I mean, duh, right? No, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, it... how many of you guys have played a board game before? Now, board games are a little bit better example of this because board games actually clearly delineate the difference between what can and cannot be done and the rules. See, a lot of people seem to think that the rules are things that you cannot bend or break. You know, like, for example, if there's a stop sign, they would say that it's an absolute truth that you need to stop at that stop sign, but that's actually not true. There is nothing actually preventing you from driving through that stop sign other than the possibility of being caught doing it. That's a rule, which is something that can be broken, and all that really matters is if you get away with it, which is why I mention this in, with regards to board games. So it's the same thing here. The rules of the courtroom, in character, feel like rules on top of the literal what you can and can't do of the video game I'm playing. So me, the player, I have the what I can and cannot do. But in character, Phoenix Wright has his rules that he has to work around and work with in order to try and make things function. Make sense? So it felt like, again, I know this sounds so strange, but it felt like the whole time I was playing Phoenix, who was playing a game. The one and only thing that really didn't make this work is they tried to present this as if it was actually real, you know, an actual courtroom, and more to the point, it's always freaking murder. Why is it murder cases? God, I know this sounds so weird, but given the overall levity and tone and humor and ridiculous... Like, I can't tell you how many games I've been playing lately which have that you know, lighthearted tone thing. I referenced this recently um, when it came to uh, Anachronox. Had that same lighthearted tone thing and the occasional jokes thing. Why are we doing murder cases in a game that's like, ah, 
right? I'm, I'm so confused about this. Anyways, I also want to mention one other thing. Uh, this is only the only game I've played in the series. I already made that clear. And I've never really been exposed to the rest of it. Now, I'm aware of the series, but mostly from memes. I mean, anybody who's seen my stream for the better part of the last two years, uh, longer than that, whenever this video goes live, will know that I've got that thing where the little emote pops up, and I, I specifically designed that emote to be designed off of the objection you know, graphic, right? So it's obviously I'm aware of the series, but only in that sense, not in the specifics. Which means if I do any interpretation of character, yes, singular, or if I talk about anything with regards to the construction of the setup, it's with that limited information. You know, it, I, it, you remember how I did the Dragon Age Origins rumination, and I talked about it as if the rest of Dragon Age didn't exist, and some people didn't get that message, but that was the point. I was, I was basically deliberately ignoring the rest of the franchise and just focusing on the game due to the unique fr structure of it. Same kind of thing here, except this time it's a little less deliberate. It's a little more forced upon me because I just have no ex uh, exposure to the rest of the series. Which brings me to the next point I want to talk about. One of the things that I like about the initial... So, okay, this is obviously a GBA game. Now, obviously, I'm playing it on the 3DS as a DS game. But what I mean by that is the structure and tone and style of so much of the game is so clearly GBA. That is not an insult, by the way. As I've said many, many times, I'm actually a huge fan of the GBA era and GBA games in general uh, because of a lot of the specific circumstance that led into that. I, I don't want to bore you with all that right here, so all I'm going to say is that it's good. I'm with it. So from word go, I'm just like... <laughs> You know, my actual 3DS is over there, so I don't want to grab it. You know, I'm just, yeah, this is great, yeah. It just clicked in my mind almost perfectly, so much so that one of the things I asked, like, after I finished my first or second case, you know, again, I had Discord up on the computer while I'm sitting here playing, was, hey, guys, is this coming out on the Switch? <laughs> Are we getting a new one? I, I want to get into this series now. By the way, I don't know when uh, this will actually happen, but as of me recording this, they say that they are actually going to release this, uh, like the original trilogy, on PC, PS4, and Switch. So I'll be buying the hell out of the Switch version of that whenever it comes out. May have come out by the time this video goes live. Not sure. We'll see. Anyways. So I, my point is, I was into it. But let's, let's start talking about the game itself. So we start off, and we're a new lawyer. A new defense attorney. Okay. Already I'm with it. And... The reason I'm with it is because this is a fairly natural way to integrate the story into the tutorialization. We need to figure out how the game works, how you uh, examine stuff and investigate stuff, how you cross-examine, how you present evidence, how you point to the right thing, etc., etc. So we need to have all of the tutorialization given to us in some way or another. Now, usually tutorialization is best done when it's not a tutorial when the game just kind of allows you to do something and shows you the result of it, and that teaches you how to play the game. But it doesn't apply to all types of games, and it doesn't quite apply here. Having Phoenix himself, Mr. Wright, being an actual new attorney, makes a lot of sense given the way that this is constructed. In fact, it was really strange playing through this game and seeing Phoenix is like, ah, um, right, uh, yeah, Your Honor, I'm, I'm ready to call the examination. Yes, yes, I'm ready. And he's just completely nervous as nothing. Compared to when he goes up against Gant uh, at the end of the game, he was just, yes, I'm ready. And what I like best about it is we get insight into his thoughts, too, which really helps to showcase how much of this progression in competency he's been having over the years. 
In other words, let me put it to you this way. In the DL6 case, he needed a last-minute Hail Mary from a literal spirit in order to give him the tiny bit of evidence that he needed in order to cling to the tiny shred of hope that he would actually be able to move forward. Now, that... If I'm if I'm being honest, that was actually a little bit ridiculous. I would have preferred it if he'd come to that conclusion on his own, rather than having a literal spirit give him the inspiration. However, by far more satisfying was his presentation in the last case, in the Gantt case. Because in that case, okay, I say cases, actually cases, but in, as you're getting to the very end there, it becomes clear that after all we've done, Phoenix himself has solved it. But he doesn't reveal that to us because he has solved it, but we have not. And or, or oh well, okay, we may not have. Obviously, if you've been paying attention, you have solved it, and you know which ones to click where, or maybe you have a walkthrough or whatever. For the reference, I did not use a walkthrough for this. I didn't think it was necessary, and it turns out it wasn't. I'm not saying I'm smart. I'm saying it was fun. Like I, th I think a walkthrough would ruin a game like this. Personally, I mean, at that point, you're cheating at solitaire. And anyways. So we've got the new lawyer, and he tutorializes us, and one of the first things we find out is that the woman's been killed, and then there's a shot of the guy, and then he comes in as a witness, and it's like, well, but he did it. They do this for the second one, too. I don't know how often they do this in the rest of the franchise, but they don't do this for any of the other cases within this game. And in fact, they actually play with all three types of information discourse throughout the course of this game. Let me explain what I mean by that. Anytime you're constructing uh, either a mystery or a reveal or something where you're basically trying to figure something out when it comes to fiction, uh, you have three general types of ways to present Well, actually, technically four, but the fourth barely matters. So four types of ways to present that information. I'll tell you the fourth one first because it's the least relevant. The characters don't know. The viewer doesn't know. Okay? And from that, you already can guess what the other three are. Character knows. Viewers don't. Character doesn't know, viewers do, and characters and viewers both know. Okay? These are the three, four, uh, methods to construct a mystery. Now, I've actually talked about this concept before, because if, you, this is all, this also works especially for horror or suspense. If the viewer knows what the character does not, tension is created for us in an environment which otherwise would lack it. Example. Uh, Melissa, or was this one Melissa? Melissa here. I see, I'm the viewer of a, of a movie or whatever, I see Melissa stab someone to death with um, uh, floss. And she's like, and I'm evil. Now, I see that. But then she goes and meets Michael over there. And Michael doesn't know this. So Melissa and Michael are hanging out, and it's a completely normal circumstance. There's no tension there. There's no suspense for them. But then Melissa's like, hey, could you toss me that floss really quick? Yeah, sure. And she pulls a couple out. She just kind of admires it for a second. And again, none of this is out of the ordinary for Michael. But it is for us, because we've seen what she can do with these. Right? Make sense? This is what they do for the first two cases. I feel like a little bit of that was also to kind of help tutorialize you, not just for the suspense things. But it also is a very common method of creating suspense and tension. Then, of course, there's the, the second method, which is the character knows, but the viewer does not. They, don't, they do that once, and I already mentioned it. It was in the final case, where Phoenix Wright clearly knows and has figured out what's going on and knows exactly how he's going to present his argument and try to trap Gant in the end. The player may or may not have figured that out by that point in time. So, again, that's the character knowing and the player not. And in some cases, neither of us know. And the game does that as well. So all three predominant, or excuse me, 
all four predominant methods of making our way through this are presented throughout the course of this game, like any good, you know, well-constructed mystery should. I don't have much to say about most of the characters. And by most, I mean basically all of them. I mean, Gumshoe was nice, like, weirdly enough. Gumshoe is... I, Gumshoe's adorable. I think that's what I want to say most about him. Gumshoe's just like, Hey! Um... Um, this, uh, hey, don't get a loitery on me. <laughs> and I could talk about Phoenix, but I kind of already talked about him. Obviously, this is kind of a coming-of-age story for him. But the one I really want to talk about is the only character who has a significant amount of characterization and an actual character arc, arguably two, throughout the course of the game. Edgeworth. Now, <clears throat> Miles, he starts off, he's the sleazy lawyer. He's the slime bag. I mean, you guys know how that works, right? If you picture a lawyer, there is a 90% chance, probably higher than that, that you're picturing someone who's a sleazeball. Male or female, doesn't matter. They're scum. Because lawyers are scum. Because the first thing, we're going to kill all the lawyers, right? <laughs> what do you call five lawyers dead at the bottom of the ocean? A good frickin' start. Like, there's so many lawyer jokes, right? That's the norm. So the game initially presents you as the bumbling lawyer who's just trying to help his friend, and Miles as someone who is that, the archetype. This is actually excellent construction. See, they avoid the idea of you being the evil lawyer archetype because they make it very clear that you are take you are in way over your head and you're doing this only because you personally believe very strongly that your friend, whom you owe, is someone who cannot possibly have done this, could not have possibly murdered his ex-girlfriend, right? There's no way. So we are established to be someone of moral conviction and significant intent towards actually helping the innocent. We're the good guys. Miles is initially established as the stereotypical bad guy. Like, just at everything. He's just like, mm -hmm, yeah. And you'll notice almost all of the animations they use for him in the first case are all of his more smug ones. Only occasionally does he have anything more fleshed out than that. As the cases go on and we see more of Edgeworth, we get to see more and more of those animations and flesh him out more and more. So let me go ahead and talk through the thoughts here. Uh, in the third case, which is the one where things really start to get interesting, we see that he turns on Vasquez. Now that was very interesting to me. See, in the first case, he was clearly victory at all costs. In fact, it's implied, although never stated outright, it is alleged, I should say, in the first case that he actually straight up fabricated... That was the second case, wasn't it? Sorry, it's alleged in the second case, sorry, because I keep forgetting the first case was... It's alleged in the second case that he was actually fabricating evidence. That he was legitimately sleazing around to make things go his way. Making up evidence or contradicting it or whatever. And yet in the third case, he helps you against Vasquez. Now that's interesting to me. I could be completely off here. But I think there's three predominant reasons why it is he does this. First and foremost, because he has a strong belief that criminals are bad and should be punished, including himself, obviously. In other words, while he himself has a near-perfect record when it comes to being a criminal prosecutor, he nevertheless tries to help out the defense attorney in cross-examining Vasquez, whom Edgeworth believes is guilty because he thinks she's a, she's a criminal and therefore should be punished. 
that she should be found guilty, even though he is effectively helping the defendant's case in doing so. In other words, put it to you this way. In real life, the prosecutor's job is to obtain conviction. The end. I, I mean, at least here in the States. I'm not sure how it is in other countries. That's not me being controversial. That's not sarcasm or, or throwing shade at the system. That's fact. But Edgeworth seems to think that the prosecutor's job is to make sure that the guilty get punished, that the criminals are the ones who are put away. And that's different, because then he is drawing a line between the person who's on the stand and the person who actually did it. This is why I think the first and biggest reason why he ends up helping uh, Phoenix in that case, in that third case. It's also really fun to see him kind of blunder about to try and give Phoenix something to work with, and Phoenix blunders about to try and make this work somehow. Especially in contrast to, if I could just skip ahead really quick, my favorite scene in the very last one in the case against Gant, which I keep referencing, where Edgeworth and Phoenix just tag team Gant. Just, just, oh, so you did this, which means you put this here. Which means this cloth had to have been there, which means the only way it could be seen as evidence. And there's this great scene where it's like, of course. But the only things that are considered legal evidence is what is whether or not these certain circumstances apply. Then it cuts to, to Edgeworth, who's like, one, it has been submitted. Blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I did not have the, the appointment of the, Phoenix, the the police department. And then cuts back to Edgeworth, two, and he's just, he's just, they just go back and forth. It's a great scene, and I love it. It was worth playing the DS version just for that thing. Anyways. The second reason I think that he ends up helping uh, Edgeworth helps him, is because it's Phoenix, as we find out later, although we didn't really know at this point in time. Phoenix and Edgeworth do have a bit of a past, as having been friends in the past. And they end up kind of becoming friends again over the course of this. I really hope they stay friends in the future, because they make a great team, honestly. And I think they could do some good stuff with that. That's it. That's all I have to say about the second point. The third point is probably a little more off-base, especially since the first two points are plenty of reason by themselves. But I think the third point is that he saw that Vasquez was technically in her way out of the situation. Now let me explain what I mean by that a little bit. Edgeworth has been raised by Mr. Von Karma in order to be the wins-at-all-cost kind of a person. In fact, I believe it, her quote was something along the lines of, all that matters to you is what's in the courtroom. Everything outside is not your jurisdiction. And I have this really strong feeling that despite everything, Edgeworth didn't really believe in that. He may have been trained in that. He may have worked in that direction. And, of course, obtained a prosecution at all costs. And yet, at the same time, being so directly presented with someone who is basically another lawyer. I mean, Vasquez is not a lawyer, but that was the attitude she was presenting. She was being the slimeball lawyer now. She was the one who was technically ing and dancing her way around the evidence in order to try and completely toss out the window. And, this is also important, being completely detached and ambivalent to the entire proceedings. In other words, what would argue, what some would argue would be the perfect prosecutor, just like Karma. And I think Edgeworth saw that and was just a little bit repulsed by it, just a little. And I think that would have added a little bit weight to the other two larger decisions. So, then he gets really pissed off at Wright for everything that happened as a consequence of that one, and being like, our right, look, <laughs> Go away. <laughs> I don't want to deal with you anymore. But then then the next case comes on. And that's a long one. It's a doozy. But the funny thing is, I don't have... Well, let me put it to you this way. Von Karma is an excellent escalation 
narratively speaking as well as gameplay-wise. Gameplay-wise, he is extremely domineering of the court. You can still make the same general mistakes. You've still got the same life bar. But those... <laughs> you have to be extremely precise in how you proceed, and he is making it... Basically, the literal dialogue of the characters is being coached and presented in a different format because of Von Karma. And as a consequence, you, the player, have to be more on your toes to be able to manage your way through this one. He also is a total slimeball in story. He is far worse than Edgeworth ever was, actively going out of his way and admitting to forcing people to testify differently or wrongly or to hide evidence from the court and basically just shrugging off with, oh, it was just a waste of time. He also seems to be really adamant about getting to convictions really quickly. Just bam, 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 let's go. Which, I know most of you probably don't watch my Star Trek Deep Space Nine stuff, but was something that came up in the episode Tribunal. Uh, towards the end of season two, I believe that was. It was, an, it was an episode about the Cardassian legal system, and one of the things that was very adamant about them was that most trials happened very, very quickly. Now, I talked about the consequences and possibilities of that. But the main relevant point with regards to this game is the fact that a prosecutor pushing for that for a very quick trial makes sense because a quick trial probably means a guilty verdict, and thus a win, because that's what the prosecutor cares about. As Von Karma states, a prosecutor only cares about the win, right? So he pushes for a quick trial, and at every turn, Phoenix is like... And what I find most interesting is the way it's slanted, once again kind of gives us our own perspective on matters. Phoenix is obviously not doing this just because he wants to win. He's doing this because, well, hang on, that doesn't line up, or why is this an accepted lie but this isn't? You know, that kind of a thing. Trying to actually root out, let's put it as bluntly as we can, the truth of the matter. Whereas, by contrast, Von Karma just cares about the judgment of the matter. You see the difference? Now, this is also interesting because one of the first things I noticed is that apparently it is Phoenix Wright's job to do the detective and police's jobs for them. <laughs> I mean, he, he actually proves definitively and conclusively that Edgeworth could not have killed the guy. And yet, given the evidence that's available, they're just like, um, nope. We're going to go ahead and keep, uh, you know, keep the trial going because, you know, obviously someone has to be guilty, right? And now all those awkward zombie com comics make so much more sense. Anyways. <clears throat> so, we learn a lot more about Edgeworth in this case. We learn that he... We learn about his nightmare. We learn that for years he's believed he's a criminal. He's believed that he should be punished and that he is trying to make up for that in a positive outlight rather than a negative outlight by trying to become a prosecutor and put away criminals himself. We also... We also find out that his father was a defense attorney, a really good one. This is another thing I want to point out. For all of Edsworth's initial sliminess, he tends to have the mind of a defense attorney rather than a prosecutor. Now, to, this is really demonstrably shown in this second-to-last case, because Von Karma, he has the mind of a prosecutor. Probably the best example of this I could come up with right off the top of my head is towards the end of that trial. You say this bullet in my shoulder is the same bullet. I refute that. And it's like, well, you have to prove that. No, I don't. That's your job. That's the mindset of a prosecutor. A prosecutor is trying to, to obtain a conviction. Like I said earlier, again, no, no controversial intent there. That's the prosecutor's job. But Edgeworth tends to think in terms of the truth 
just like Phoenix. In other words, actually deducing his way through the circumstances to figure out what actually happened, right? Anyways, so I like how Gumshoe stands up for Edgeworth, by the way. I get the impression that the main reason he does that is that Edgeworth is an actual decent guy who legitimately wants to help out in preventing crime and stopping criminals, right? I mean, I very strongly get that impression from him. And I think that's why Gumshoe is so uh, sweet on him. <sighs> we also find out this is about when the medium's uh, thing comes into the series. I, I have been told that later on there's helicopters and missiles involved and that this series goes completely wacky. And all I can say to that is that that's awesome. And I would love to see that. <laughs> I'm dead serious. The less realistic this is, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And I like the idea that Mia and Maya were both mediums and that their mother was a medium who, it turns out, accurately read from Gregory Edgeworth. And it just happens to be that Gregory Edgeworth was actually incorrect because, after all, the dead don't know everything, right? So, the perfect crime, as Von Karma himself uh, says it. And I like how the DLC, DL6 incident is basically the aggregate of the entirety of the GBA game. Obviously, the DS game that goes off and does its own thing. But um, of the GBA game. Like, basically everything is tied into it to some extent or another throughout the course of the entire game. And I like that. <clears throat> so, there's this really great scene that probably is the best scene to showcase the progression of the characters. Edgeworth just confesses in court. He's like, yeah, no, I did this. I'm like, okay, well, we got to reopen the DL6 case then. And the statute of limitations runs out, so we got to do this now. And they're all like, oh, my God, what do I do? And Edgeworth's like, I know, but it's my nightmare. But it was true. I did it. And, uh, you know, murder is murder, which actually that's not true. But let's not get into that. And <laughs> there's such a thing as accidental manslaughter. And so they're all debating what they're going to do. And they're all like, Phoenix, what are you doing? And Phoenix is like, oh, I'm going to my notes. I love that. Like, no, you're 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 innocent, dude. Of course you're innocent. Give me a second. I just, I just gotta look over the case file again. Why are you guys looking at me? Right? I love that. I love that. Ah, so I do love how that that then progresses. Like I said, it's a little bit of a shame that he had to literally get spiritual inspiration to figure out about the shoulder bullet and to figure out how to do anything about that. But it is funny to me that even when proven guilty, Fun Karma then still continues to domineer the situation, ordering the judge to get on with it. Kind of wonder what kind of political influence this guy had in this courtroom. Anyways, so then we go on to the last bit. Although I have to say, before we start the DS mission, I like how the last little mystery is solved. And it's this quiet little mystery that's been in the background there about where the missing money went and how everyone took Wright's side and how Wright was, you know, it was ruined, nobody liked him, and he lost all his friends, and he became a defense attorney. And it was it was his buddy. It was his buddy who took the 38 bucks, and so he gives them back to Edgeworth, like, hey, paying you back, sorry about that. I don't have, like I said, I don't have much to say about the last mission other than what I already have. I'm already, the last cases, other than what I already have. Far more complex, far more things to keep track of. Um, and the final twist is actually great. The fact that you finally pull something on him, and he's like, ah, well, good show, but that's illegal evidence. Now, I like that for two reasons. Number one, because it continues to be clever, and if you're paying attention, and I was by that point, because, you know, it's, that's what this game is, it's paying attention to the game. By that point, I noticed Wright's extremely specific phrasing on not entering the evidence. 
of the cloth bit, not because it was you know something that would incriminate her, but because of the fact that he could not legally enter that evidence. And I noticed his phrasing. I was like, oh, I can't do this, so I'm going to choose not to. And then I noticed his phrasing, and that's exa- exactly the moment when I realized what he was doing. I was like, oh, but wait, how's he going to... And then, of course, later on, there was another O oh moment for me when Gant is like, ha-ha. And so, so let me get this straight. You, and he explains it all out, and then Gant's like, yes, of course. Which means Gant, the police chief, has just legally admissed this evidence. <laughs> that is actually kind of brilliant in its own right. I, I especially like it as well because it means they actually bring something of actual legal proceedings, you know, of, of a more realistic tint, into the game in a way that you wouldn't expect because up to that point you've won. At the same time, that's what the game has been doing this entire time, though. I mean, come on. The very first case, the very first case, has this guy who comes in and is like, No, no, I, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't kill her. It was, um, yes, I'd like to revise my statement, please. And it's, what? <laughs> he could have had a neon billboard over his head that said, Guilty, guilty. But of course, that's not the game, right? That's not the game that Phoenix Wright is playing. Anyways, so then they tag team him and he's crushed and blah, blah, blah. And I really want to play more of these. (laughs) I'm just saying, if there's a new one coming out, especially on the Switch, we need to premiere on that, that stuff. But anyways, I did enjoy this a lot more than I thought I would. I'm sorry I don't have much else to say about it. I'll, I actually want to check peak. Really, how long is this? Oh, wow. That is a lot longer than I thought. I hope you guys have enjoyed. I'll see you next time.